Good evening. Uh, this is The Voice of America in Washington. Welcome to another edition of Reporters Roundtable. I'm Douglas Impuga. And this evening we'll talk about the recently concluded Assembly of African Union Heads of State and Government. And with us tonight is my colleague, Vincent Macquarie, Managing Editor, English to Africa. Uh, Vincent, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. You're very much welcome. And joining us as usual from Durban is a regular panelist, Suleiman Mugula, uh, and he's, he's an independent political analyst. Uh, Suleiman, once again, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're very much welcome. As I said tonight, we are looking at the recently concluded uh, AU Summit, uh, the Assembly of African Union Heads of State and Government, uh, which was its 35th ordinary session and the first to be held in person following a hiatus in 2021, wherein the assembly was held virtually due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the opening session was marked with calls for continued African solidarity in addressing the impact of COVID-19 on the continent and the urgent need to address the emerging scourge of coup d'etats and the threat of terrorism. As our listeners may know, the assembly is the African Union's supreme policy and decision-making organ, it comprises heads of state and government of the continent's member states. It also determines the AU's policies, establishes its priorities, adapts its annual program, and monitors the implementation of its policies and decisions. So, gentlemen, uh, let me start here with uh, Vincent. Another AU summit come and gone. Uh, any, anything that jumps at you in this one? Uh, you know, it's a, it sounds... Uh, very much when you listen to the, uh, you know, the deliberations there and the communiques uh, that are released after, uh, that it's uh, very much reminiscent of uh, previous Africa Union summits. Uh, definitely this time around, uh, for a very long time, it has happened uh, at a time when there are about, what, four coups happening within a calendar year. And, of course, uh, characteristically, Africa Union uh, says they condemn uh, the wave of uh, military coups, and of course, a number of countries have been suspended. And and and, and of course, uh, some of the other deliberations happen, uh, you know, behind door, closed doors. And uh, we even had a, a problem getting some of the stories through our correspondents there because a number of the discussions happen behind closed doors, and then they come and give a statement. Uh, what uh, definitely always uh, leads to frustrations among the most uh, African uh, populations is that uh, uh, after these discussions, uh, nobody can tell for sure how effective they are, especially in uh, restoring uh, security, maintaining uh, uh, democracy across the continent, and uh, solving issues that really, really, uh, you know, uh, are, are, are um, putting the continent where it is, which is, of course, uh, the uh, constant insecurity and, of course, uh, underdevelopment in many other areas of the continent. So while while um, these discussions may be uh, very robust uh, amongst the leadership, uh, what, what uh, always remains to be seen is how effective and productive they are when it comes to actually tackling the issues on the continent. I see. Uh, talking of issues, Suleiman, uh, this summit was held uh, after... Okay, as you mentioned coups. 
there has been six calls or attempted calls over the past 18 months. Uh, that must have been at the back of many of these heads of state who attended. No doubt about it, uh, Douglas, because we should also take uh, the fact that uh, this 35th summit marks the 20 years ever since the AU was established. It was launched and it with a lot of hope and expectation for peace, security, good governance, uh, social and economic development as a, as a vehicle which will foster all those. Now it is being held at a time when almost the, the, the continent is engulfed in, in conflict all over, from south to north, to the Sahel, to central, uh, to the Horn of Africa. It is just uh, no peace at all. It's just conflicts. And above all, in other regions, it's just schools. I think Africa has never been in such a plight as it is in today. Because if you look at it from the south ourselves, you've got Mozambique is in crisis, Swaziland has been in crisis, uh, Zimbabwe has not settled. Then you continue up in the Central African, in the in, in Central Africa, you have got Central African Republic, unfinished business. You've got um, uh, areas in, in Central Africa, in, in, in Eastern Africa and the Horn of Africa. Uh, Southern Sudan is restless. Uh, Somalia, Ethiopia. Then you come now to the cause. So by and large, we can say the summit is taking place at the time when there is a lot of conflict and insecurity on the continent. Regardless of the expectations which... The co-founder, the founders, the Bendeki and Obasanjos and the teams which formed it, which they had, the continent is not in good condition as they were deliberating now. I see. Uh, Vicent, uh, we understand four members of member states have been suspended by the AU's Peace and Security Council uh, since mid last year, 2021, because of what they call unconstitutional changes of government. Most recently, Burkina Faso, where soldiers overthrew the president. But there are those who say the AU has been uh, is the inconsistent uh, in responding to the takeovers, especially when you take the case of uh, Chad. They never suspended Chad after the military council took over following the death of longtime president Idris Dabe. Um, how do you assess the reaction or the action or inaction of AU in addressing? these what they call uh, um, unconstitutional changes of government yeah you know for any anybody uh, anybody to be effective and well respected consistency is key uh, just like a good parent uh, if you want your children to take you seriously if you want your family to respect you as a man for example you need to be consistent when it comes to certain principles so of course africa the africa union uh, has uh, maintained the position that it will never condone military takeovers, and that uh, every government, every in every country, should be should come in place uh, through a constitutional uh, process. So when uh, this become kind of uh, inconsistent in in, in 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 the sense that uh, some of the other countries can be let to slip through, uh, in this case we're talking about Chad, it confuses the African, uh, uh, you know, populace. People just then wonder, what is the difference between Chad 
and Burkina Faso. Is there a certain, you know, kind of uh, uh, clout that those countries have? Do they play certain strategic uh, roles for the African Union that uh, they can uh, be late to slide by without being penalized? Uh, so uh, it has been an accusation over the years, uh, the inconsistency. We've seen, for example, presidents who declared themselves uh, uh, life presidents mm. and attempted to, to uh, you know, to take, um, to, you know, change the constitution so that they can be there for the third and fourth term uh, in a number of African countries in the past, and who still continued, actually, to be members of the African Union. They were sometimes even ended up uh, being in the leadership of the Africa Union in some of the years, while in the countries there was uh, definitely an undermining of democracy. Uh, there was, uh, you know, suppression of opposition. So the African uh, Africa Union, and it's, uh, you know, my brother did mention there the anniversary. I was in Zambia July uh, 9th uh, to 11th uh, in 2001 when the OAU, mm -hmm changed into official into the Africa Union. Uh, and, mm. and of course, the hope and the vision was that this would be a more uh, stronger, more deliberate uh, body in uh, ensuring Africa, uh, you know, grows into a democratic continent and, and, and a very progressive one. So the, the, the expectations were high, the hopes were really high, and I remember being there uh, with, a, with a, you know, all those other uh, African leaders, a number of them are no more, but uh, uh, the, to make it uh, brief, this has been actually, I think, one of the challenges the Africa Union has faced ever since, um, the inability to consistently have a formula of enforcing some of the principles. Like, uh, and also, even when they make those uh, declarations, for example, a country has been suspended, uh, many people wonder, okay, what does that mean? What do they lose? What do they gain by being members of the Africa Union, at least within that period. And has this been a deterrent? If it isn't a deterrent, uh, if it was a deterrent, most African uh, militaries would think twice before they take over. But the fact that even throughout all that period, even with those principles being in place, they have continued to uh, you know, overthrow governments and they will still stay on for some time until at such a time when they think it is uh, okay for them either to move away from a center of power or, or they themselves actually to uh, literally convert and transform themselves into, into military leaders. So, yes, the consistency has been a challenge and the confusion over how effective even some of these so-called punitive measures have been hmm. in ensuring that these countries or these leaders who take over uh, power unconstitutionally uh, will be deterred from doing so. I see. Uh, Suleiman, uh, there are those again who say, in addition to what I just mentioned, that maybe <clears throat> they don't have the moral high ground to take action. Definitely, Douglas. The double standards. I think that one has weakened the organization uh, uh, more and more. Because, as you are saying, if you have got leaders who have overstayed, leaders who are themselves dictators, it is ironic that it is the very leaders who who quickly start uh, suspending other would-be uh, dictators because many of the, leader, the leaders whom we have on the continent, many of them also came in through uh, coups, some of them military, 
of late now we have got another fashion where we have got constitutional coups which are not different from the military coups which are happening when you look at the case in guinea in guinea the president uh, had to to, 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 to change the term limits. In Cameroon, the, change, the term limits were changed. In Ivory Coast, the, the term limits were changed. In Uganda, term limits were changed. In Rwanda, term limits were changed. So you find that many of the member states, they have them, themselves, they are in power almost illegally. They have also uh, uh, taken power, though not militarily, but they are they have carried on constitutional coups in their very country. So that is why it is an irony that they should be at the forefront of suspending those countries where we have got a, a military coups. And it is very absurd because really one doesn't see the difference why these, these military coups should be castigated, whereas even them, they are doing almost the same thing. And the fact on the ground is it is, it, it is inevitable that coups are happening in this country. If you have got leaders who have decided to stay forever, if you have got leaders in Uganda, leaders in Cameroon, leaders in Gabon, leaders in Rwanda, leaders in, in Congo, leaders in Central African Republic, leaders all over the continent, save for a few countries. If you have got leaders who are oppressing their, their people and they have decided not to allow democracy to take root, definitely coups are going to continue. Whether they suspend these countries or don't suspend them, tomorrow more coups will come. So long as the continent, the AU, does not change the double standards and, and start advocating for good governance on the continent. I see. Now, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Reporters Roundtable, and we're coming to you live from The Voice of America in Washington. Tonight, we're looking at the recently concluded AU summit in Addis Ababa. Our panelists are my colleague, Winston Makori, a managing editor at TV English to Africa, and Suleiman Mugula, an independent political analyst, and I'm your host, Douglas Simpoga, here in Washington. Um, gentlemen, uh, uh, this summit, some people have observed that it's been unique in a sense that it started uh, um, as the 15 member states uh, uh, faces pressure to push for a ceasefire in the host country, where 15 months war has killed thousands of people, and the UN says driven hundreds of thousands to the brink of starvation. Uh, let me start with you, Vincent. Isn't it ironic for uh, a, 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 a summit that is supposed to, to harmonize the continent and is being hosted in a country that is under war? Actually, it is, uh, of course, a monumental <laughs> irony here because, uh, of course, mm. we witnessed the conflict that has been ongoing in Ethiopia 15 months now. And, uh, of course, without us necessarily, you know, taking sides on who is right, who is wrong, uh, the reality is that there is a situation here, a security situation that has engulfed this country and has been burning consistently for those months. But at the same time, this is the headquarters of the African Union. This is the place where African leaders went to discuss matters of peace and security or where they do that all the time. Now, we do know that uh, it has been uh, quite a, a, a confusing scenario and a challenge uh, in that uh, 
uh, the African leaders in some way have been seen as not taking a stronger position uh, in, in a, especially finding a best way to resolve this issue and how to deal with the fellow leader in that particular country. Uh, at the moment, we know that uh, uh, the former president of Nigeria, Shogun Obasanjo, is a special envoy that was tasked by uh, the chairman of the African Union, um, uh, Mr. Fakir, to kind of uh, try to find you know, a, a way to broker a ceasefire. But then and most of the conversations that have been taking place, even during this uh, just-ended Africa Union summit, uh, were, were not necessarily public. We, we don't know what was discussed. We know that uh, there, were con- uh, there were talks held about the situation in the host country. Uh, we know that uh, the Prime Minister of Ethiopia was present at the Africa Union. But then we don't know for sure uh, what was discussed. How, what are the African leaders doing about this? Uh, this conflict in Ethiopia. You know, nobody wants anybody to die. Uh, these are all mm. citizens of one country. Uh, this is a situation of, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's an internal issue, but at the same time, the citizens of those ca- of that country are going through not only deaths, but also uh, now we have a report of uh, what we have reported even over a long time, uh, shortage of food, a threat of even uh, serious hunger because of... Uh, you know, the inability to cultivate land. Most of them have had to run away. And, and so, yes, it, it, is, uh, it is ironic, it is confusing, and it's unclear really uh, what the African Union is doing and has been doing for 15 months because this has fettered and has continued as we watch. It has been 15 months. Like, what has been done and what is the African Union doing and what is the African Union going to do tomorrow and the days to come. Uh, Suleiman? The irony, the biggest irony, is that the 2021 summit, 34th summit, the theme was the silencing of guns. To show you how weak the AU is, instead of silencing the gun, 12 months fast forward, the guns are blazing in the various, uh, the various regions of the continent. Was, as you have said, ironically, in the headquarters itself, the country is at war with itself. As Vicente has said, 13 months, they tried a little bit of it. Ramaphosa sent some delegation to Ethiopia. The leadership in Ethiopia could not listen to them. We have had massive loss of life in Ethiopia, massive displacement. Now we have got about 9 million people in Ethiopia on the threat for hunger. Not only Ethiopia. 12 months down the line, Mozambique is still... uh, uh, still, uh, The guns are still blazing. The African Union is looking on. Not only that one, southern Sudan is restless, Somalia is restless. So the African Union is just looking on. Not only that, we have got even other restless areas. Uganda and Rwanda have not been seeing eye to eye for three years. Where is the AU? Swaziland has been burning for, for some time now. Where is the AU? Zimbabwe is on and off, but there is less risk come. Where is the AU? 
So you find that AU itself as as an organization, it is coming into this summit with a lot of question marks. Maybe that is why, as Vincent is saying, they have to hold most of their discussion in under closed doors because really there are so many questions and the answers are very few. I see. Well, talking of them, are uh, they uh, taking uh, being able to take action? Uh, according to the agenda, one of the main uh, items was disease and diplomacy, uh, where South African President Cyril Ramaphosa uh, was a, provided an update on Africa's response to the pandemic uh, uh, nearly two years after the continent's first COVID-19 case was detected in Egypt. And as of last week, as of January 26, only 11% of Africa's more than 1 billion people had been fully vaccinated, according to African Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And uh, Africa has been depending primarily on donations for vaccines. So, Vincent, if AU can't harmonize, I mean, work together on an issue of a pandemic, what else can they do? Well, you know, uh, the African continent is a, is a, a continent of over 1.3 billion people. There's over 54, about 54, some say over 54 countries. And, and so what we see on the continent, especially the huge population of youth and uh, resources that uh, are actually have helped to develop the rest of the continent, is potential. It is the potential to solve any or most of the problems that Africa faces. The ingenuity of the people, the, uh, you know, the, the, the level of education. We have highly educated scientists and doctors, some of them who are now working in other parts of the world. And South Africa has, of course, shown uh, that there is a, you know, we have the capacity to do things, to produce medicine, to produce uh, vaccines and all that. Now, I, if, if I was to be asked, as, you know, personally, I think the African Union needs to have a special session, a special summit to discuss about itself, to discuss about the continent, you know, to ask these questions, the kind of an self-assessment. We, who are we? What are we supposed to be doing for a continent? Why are we not doing one, two, three? Why are we perpetually the continent that is waiting for some other country to come to rescue us? For how long shall we continue being uh, beggars and recipients of the leftovers of the rest of the world? I think for our continent for the African continent to, 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 to be dignified and to dignify the people of the continent. The African leaders themselves need to kind of now start a self-assessing, soul-searching process where you have to suspend all this kind of a, a normal every year discussions that don't seem sometimes to satisfy the African people. And the pandemic, I think, has been a great opportunity to do that self-assessment. The leaders need to sit down, engage everybody, all the experts, all the stakeholders, and say, it is time we transform the African Union as a tool to create a harmonious uh, continent, not only a peaceful one, but bring the synergies, bring the knowledge, uh, and work together, even if it means you're forming a, co- an, a continental institute of research 
where you can also support research uh, research departments in different universities across the continent with, of course, the help of whoever is willing to help, uh, whether it is, uh, you know, the Western donors, you know, African rich men and women. But it's time that the continent of over one point three billion people start being self-reliant it is a time that african continent start actually finding solutions to its own problems but it has to go beyond the rhetoric it has to go beyond the wishful thinking it has to go beyond the nice you know speeches that you hear there but actually action action but i think that can only happen if the leadership is very deliberate in sitting down and looking each other in in the eyes and saying Guys, ladies, we have to change. You've got to grow up and become a continent that is respectable by the rest of the world by, in the way that we resolve our own problems. I see. Uh, Suleiman, Africa was never like this. Centuries ago, pre-colonial yeah. Africa, who had great universities, centers of learning. Yeah. The first caesarean yeah. operation in the world was done in Africa, actually, in East Africa, in yeah. Uganda, in Minyor, actually. So yeah. what happened, this mentality of begging for vaccines, begging for this and that? Is there anything that you can do, or is it incapable of doing anything? Douglas, the, it is very clear. The bottom line is very, very clear. The crop of leadership which we, we have had for, for the last 20 years, is, uh, it, it leaves a lot to be desired. It is not that the ideas are there, but we don't have the leadership. Declarations after declaration. You are talking about health. Remember, we had the Abuja declaration as early as 2001. The declaration was, 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 was a commitment from African leaders that they will commit 15% of their budget to health. Here comes, after 10 years, only two countries, Rwanda and South Africa, had reached the 15, the, the 15% allocation. After that, others are even reducing. Come fast forward, come COVID, many of the countries have been caught with their pants down. The health sector has been in shambles. So you are talking of our scientists, you are talking of, our, of renovation in health and elsewhere. Yes, the scientists might be there, but we don't have proper leadership. Those declarations have remained on paper. Apart from the Abuja declaration, we had the Maputo declaration on food security in 2003, also to allocate 10% to agricultural development. Those declarations have remained on paper. The leadership is not there. You can pass resolutions, but you don't have the leadership. As you have said, post-independence leadership had vision, had almost a coherent vision. The leaders knew what they wanted. They wanted to liberate Africa. They wanted to develop education. They wanted to develop agriculture. They wanted to develop trade. They want, I mean, you could see the whole continent moving in one direction. There was a lot of common vision from from all the regions of Africa. Unlike now, with the the crop of leaders whom we have had, they don't have any collective vision almost on any issue. Apart from putting it on paper and declaring it, you don't see any implementation. 
As a result, the continent has remained stagnant. Yes, the neighborhood secretariat, they are trying to, to do some uh, uh, development here and there. They have got a few successes here. As you have said, they were able to procure some, some vaccine. But that is not enough. The continent needs clear leadership of where we are going. Otherwise, the problems of the continent are, 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 are piling up. Unemployment, poverty, a lack of social services, they are piling up every day as we get more and more rusty as far as the leadership is concerned. I see. We're running out of time. Uh, Vincent, I'll, I'll begin with you. Uh, one word or two. Uh, is this, uh, these AU summits, are they of any use? Very briefly. I have to say that uh, they, 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 have, they have some use, but the truth is that the leadership has to start uh, deliberating differently. They have to really be serious about tackling African problems in the most serious way. Uh, Suleiman, two, a few words, just two words. Is it worth it? It is a, it is a ship sailing, sailing on the sea without any direction. I see. I hope the leadership, the people listening there, maybe they will get somebody to direct them to, to move in the proper direction. Well, unfortunately, out of time, that wraps up this edition of Reporters Roundtable. Thanks to my colleague, Vincent Makori, Managing Editor, TV English to Africa, and Suleiman Mugula, an independent political analyst based in Durban, South Africa. Gentlemen, as usual, thanks for, for being on the show. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much. You're very much welcome. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Reporters Roundtable. A reminder, you can access this program if you go to our main website, click on programs, and scroll down to Reporters Roundtable. Once again, thanks very much for tuning in. I'm Douglas Simpuga in Washington, wishing you all the best. <laughs>